button is pressed, and we are live. Clint Miller, what's up, man? Hey, how you doing? I'm doing. It's early for me. It's getting late for you. It's crazy because I'm on one side of the planet, and you are, like, literally on the other side. Yeah, you're just waking up, and I'm past my bedtime, so all good. Yeah, what part of Australia are you in again? Brisbane. So the most most easterly point of Brisbane, of Australia, if you think of it. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's literally as far away from here maybe as you can get. Perhaps, yeah. That's yeah. crazy. So what's the, I'm just been curious, what's your weather like there? Well, right today we actually had the one of the hottest days on in history for Brisbane. Oh yeah. So it's really hot. It's really humid today. Um, yeah, it was an uncomfortable day for sure. <laughs> do you get winter there? Oh, we do, but it's nothing like what you would have over there. Like our winter is, I don't know, in your your talk of you know degrees or whatnot, but it's you know twenty two degrees max Celsius. Mm-hmm. Blue skies, sunny days. That's us. So I, I don't know what that is in, in your talk. There around, you go. Around it's seventy, pretty, which is pretty pleasant. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. That that's our that's our max for winter, and then it it can get down to you know like overnight it might get to two three degrees or whatnot, which is you know close to freezing but nowhere near it's it's um i gotcha yeah, mm. are there areas of australia that get snow in the winter time there are but up in the like and uh, down south in the mountains and in, in the uh the peaks but, I gotcha. uh, again it's not a huge amount so generally no that's I nice say. Where, where you're riding bikes there's definitely no snow so oh yeah. that's nice then Heck yeah. It's yeah. just, a, is it actually true? I'm, forgive me for all of these ignorant American questions about Australia, but I've just never <laughs> fully had a conversation with someone from there. But is it true that, like, everything's trying to kill you out there? Uh, not not overly, no. It's, um... I mean, yeah, you guess you, you're wary of it when you're walking around if it's in a, a forested area or a bush or whatnot, but, yeah... I guess there is stuff there, but being from here and lived here the whole lot, my whole life, you don't. It's not really that big of a concern, no. Yeah, you're not like walking around worried about it all the time. <laughs> not just, at all. Just you might like... walk along and you you'll see a brown snake, which is a deadly snake, and you go, "Oh, geez, that's a brown snake. I'll I'll keep away from that." But mm-hmm. uh, overall, you know, I've probably seen a couple of those in my life, so um, that's yeah, not bad. It's not as bad as what it's made out to be, that's for certain. It's definitely, when people talk about Australia, like, yeah, everything's out there to get you, and there's danger noodles and whatever. I mean, I guess it will. You know, you got, you got you got snakes, you got deadly spiders, you got crocodiles, you've got you got drop bears, you know. If, I don't know if anyone knows about drop bears, but... Um... <laughs> I've never <laughs> no, even heard of that. I'm going to have to look that up. Google a drop bear and you'll see what I mean. Drop bear Australia. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah, it's just a fictional koala that's uh, got rabies or something. I don't know. That's yeah. funny. <laughs> oh, that is too good. So, 
before we started here, we were talking a little bit about how I talked to Scott Town last night, and you were starting to say that for you, starting BMX was in 88? Yeah, I got a bike in 84, so I was 10 years old then, and then I moved to Brisbane from a smaller country town in 88, and the friends I started hanging out with, they had BMX bikes, and they were doing, you know, back hops and, and stuff like that, sort of very basic tricks and i thought all right well i'll get my bike out of the out of the shed and and whatnot and um so yeah i guess 88 was when i started doing tricks but before that you know doing the jumps off a couple of bricks and a piece of board or whatnot like everyone did i guess Mm -hmm. but 88 was when i first started doing freestyle as such yeah i gotcha and Mm -hmm. was that first bike in 84 like a real bmx bike at the time uh, yeah, that was, that was, I mean, they're really sought after now. It's called a Melvin Star Supermax Chromo. So it was an Australian B, uh, bicycle brand that did their first BMX bikes that were full chromoly. Um, yeah, that was my first bike. And then I guess my first real, well, first freestyle bike was another Australian sort of mass market brand called Repco. And that was a Repco freestyler. And I had one of those and um, just grew from there. I gotcha. So, when you were starting to ride, what was there to even ride out there? Was this just what you made, or was there other stuff? I mean, I guess we started out flatland because that's that was the most accessible, mm-hmm. uh, and what we knew, I guess. And then uh, one of my friends, Bob Herbon, he had a uh, his granddad was a, owned a furniture factory. And so he would get lots of offcuts of plywood and, and, and wood and stuff. And we ended up making an eight foot uh, quarter pipe in his backyard at his parents' house. Oh, that's awesome. And we'd ride that and we'd learn airs and this, that. And um, I think we, yeah, we even learned 540s on that eight foot quarter pipe on, on our old flatland bikes. And but back then we, we did everything. We, we were some of the, my little crew, which is myself, Bob Herbon and Michael Canfield, we were like, a little sort of three riders crew at our own school and we would do a bit of everything so we'd ride flatland and we'd ride dirt or whatever we'd go ride street and we'd ride ramps so at that time it was quite sort of rare to have riders that would do everything where most riders were either a ramp rider or a street rider or or a flatlander sort of thing but um Mm -hmm. yeah so what we got to ride was pretty much school car parks and whatnot or the backyard ramp, really, which was all all that was really around. So, yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of curious of like the timelines of BMX <clears throat> and its progression versus other places like here, where I think I don't know the full history on it, but there was some skate parks popping up here and there for like skateboarding, and I was just curious if. Australia was like at the same pace or behind, maybe ahead even. No, nah, we were definitely behind, because um, the only access to the rest of the world, or i.e. the states that we had, was for magazines, and so that would come out realistically six months after the, the it actually happened. So mm. six months after someone did a hang fire, for instance, we'd see it in magazines and then go, "How do you do that?" Like what is that that's just a rolling along on a on the front wheel on a peg like how do you do that and so it would take even longer for us to kind of figure out 
all right, well, that's what you do and, and so forth. So for the most part, before, for a lot of years there, Australia, I would say, was definitely behind the eight ball on that. But we'd also see the photos and we'd see, you know, so-and-so rider doing a massive air, doing something or whatever. And so we'd kind of think that that was the norm. And so that's what we'd strive to do when really that wasn't the norm and, and so forth. But but generally, yeah, we were definitely behind behind the scenes sort of thing. Huh. So do you think that that's what led to so many insane, amazing Australian riders was the fact that you're behind and what you were seeing wasn't actually normal, but you thought it was, so it became normal? No, nah, definitely. Well, one funny story I had, I think it was... 2002 i was in the uk we wrote a it was a red bull event called three degrees um and i was there just doing my thing whatever and, and asado and frymouth were there and i was doing double tailed nose picks and all the stuff that i do and they sort of we just got talking and they're like man how do you do that all the time and i'm like what are you, what are you talking about <laughs> like that's i see a bako video or i see a whatever and you guys are pulling tail up nose pick, double tail up nose picks and all this crazy stuff. And they go, yeah, but that took us a hundred goes to get that. And we did it once in our life. And I'm like, well, I don't know that. I just see it in a video. So I think that's what you do every day. So I go out there and ride and, and learn it so that I can do it every day, every go, you know, like that's just how it is. And to hear that from those two guys, which I totally look up to and my heroes was, was, was pretty cool. And um, yeah, I guess, that has shaped a lot of Australian riders in that we look at that stuff and we think that that's the norm. And so that's what we strive to you know, achieve, I guess. So, yeah, yeah, that's incredible. I had to feel good to hear that from those guys. Oh, from, yeah, definitely. I mean, that was pretty cool. And, uh, you know, like it's, but it's just what we did. It's, we, we saw that stuff in magazines or videos and mm -hmm. that's what happens every, every session, but I, I guess it wasn't. So, yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> no doubt. And so at what point, I don't know, from my perspective, they're just Australia is this place full of incredible riding and riders that there's just so many of them. It seems like every couple of years there's a new guy who's popping up. Would you say like once you guys started getting videos and stuff, it was it like that since then or was there a period of time where it just seemed like there was it was popping off yeah i guess i guess i guess once the internet really came about because that's when the world was a lot connected before that it was as i said from magazines that were perhaps the, the coverage from the photos from that was six months prior hmm. or maybe videos kind of caught up a little bit maybe it was only four months by then or, or whatnot but once the internet became a thing that's when it became started to become a lot more instantaneous, mm -hmm. um, and I guess for the most part, as I said, in most of most of Australia, it's it's really good weather all year round, um, especially here up in Brisbane, um, and here in Brisbane especially, like within an hour's circle drive of Brisbane, there would be at least two hundred parks you could ride. Holy cow! But at, don't get me wrong here. Out of that two hundred. Some of them I've never even been to. Right. Well, I've been to it once. You'd ride them and you go, yeah, I'm never going back. But there still are 200 skate parks within an hour's circle drive of the greater area of Brisbane that kids can go ride 
and get hooked in BMX. And that's, I guess that's a greater, a, a huge talent pool, I guess, that you could call it, mm-hmm. that why so many good BMX riders here in Australia is because of that accessibility to go ride and, and progress with it and have fun with it, um, coupled with good weather. Um, yeah, it just breeds breeds good riders. And, and I guess sort of the Australian mentality of the lot of sports is you look at overseas as being the epitome of everything. Um, and so you kind of think that Australia, well, we're never going to get to that level, but you just keep pushing to what level you want to be at and without even knowing it, you've probably overtaken a lot what, what is actually happening overseas. So, because mm-hmm. we are so far away from everything. So, um, yeah, I'm just curious when you're talking about like magazines being, you know, six months previous is what you're actually seeing because of the time difference and, you know, creating the magazine. But were you guys getting stuff at the same time like we were getting it? Like, uh, issue of a magazine comes out in May. Were you getting it in May? I know. Definitely not. We would get it. I mean, I I can't. It's begun. We're talking a long time ago now. But yeah, if it did come out in May, we might see it by September. Okay. So it was definitely a long time past, and 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 again, it was just a still image. So you're mm-hmm. like, what's that trick there? I remember, I remember Tim Wood, um, one of the probably Australia's best, you know, biggest vert legends ever uh and the first to do backflips and all sorts of stuff here but we would see he would see photos of you know hoffman doing a flip fakie and it'd be eight foot out just whatever but you'd just be at see this photo and so tim would think okay well i've got to go do a flip fakie eight foot out and you know not understanding the consequences of laying flat bottom from doing such a thing and the breaking broken bones that come from it and everything else but um yeah, we just see those those still photos and think, okay, that's what we got to try to 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 mimic or to, yep. to we're going to chase. And yeah, it was de- definitely um, definitely hard for sure. Yeah. So, did you notice? Was there a certain period of time where a lot of those skate parks were kind of popping up at once, or was it just kind of gradually over time? I mean, the '80s there was there was nothing around. It was old '70s concrete or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Then probably the early '90s, like you'd have a odd ramp or so that would pop up every so often. And then it wasn't until probably the late '90s where the first concrete, you know, modern day parks were sort of popping up. And then it was really the early 2000s, I guess, when lots of parks would start popping up. And that's when you that's when you start to see a lot of parks around and, and, and riding per, uh, grow to to what it is today, I guess. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say the mid to, you know, all of the 2000s really was the time that BMX really sort of took off in, in Australia. Yeah, so when and during that period did you start Colony? Uh, well, I mean, I'd been riding for We The People at a... At a, at a I guess a pro level there for since my I went to the worlds in 2000 and uh, traveling around and whatnot and I guess I sort of got intertwined into the industry a bit through my local bike shop called Cosley Cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard had just just been in the local shop. I'd hang out there all the time and just sort of getting intertwined into the interest into the you know the industry side of things. And I've been traveling the world and, and, and riding and whatnot. And, you know, 
all these other countries had their own brands. Obviously, America had a bunch of brands. The UK had their own brands. I mean, Spain popped up having brands. Canada had brands. Yeah. All these countries had brands, yet Australian writers were really uh, pushing the forefront of a lot of writing out there, but we didn't have a brand. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to I'm gonna start Colony. I'm just going to... It did start out just to be a small parts brand on the side, like I was going to make some pegs and, you know, handlebars or whatever else. Um, with with the help of, of, you know, like the blessing of We The People, I guess, because I was still a a pro writer with them and had a signature frame and everything. And I was like, well, this is just going to be something on the side that I want to do or, or whatnot. Um, but soon it was, as it was, as it was launched, I guess it became quite apparent that it was going to be something a lot more than what I expected it to be. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, so that was 2005. And so then, yeah, I, I guess I had to sort of, uh, up to 2007, I think we didn't have products out till then, but, um, once it did launch, yeah, it was quite apparent that it was going to become a lot more than what it was ever set out to be, and had to move on and and just go with Colony, you know, completely. So yeah, yeah. <clears throat> do you, did you feel like there were struggles in starting up a company in Australia? Uh, yes and no. Um, I mean, for one, we're closer than every other country travel distance to Taiwan. So that was uh, it's only an eight-hour flight from here, whereas for most other countries, it's, I don't know, I Five. guess from the States, it's, it's, a, it's a lot longer, yeah, for sure. So that was a, a you know, benefit in some way. But um, no, I mean, uh, again, that whole outlook from looking at from here to the outside world, it, it seemed that starting a bike brand was a lot harder than what it, you know, you think it's a lot harder to do, but once I sort of got into it, and I guess just the mindset that I have with with BMX and and so forth, uh, it sort of came a lot easier to me just from good work ethic, work ethic and and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, I don't think we really had any barriers and such of doing it. It was just just a lot of hard work and and, and making it happen. That's so interesting because I I had no idea of what the answer to that might be being that everything in you know the heart of bmx as far as the big companies that people see a lot of exists you know in a couple of places here in the u.s so i thought it, there it might be <clears throat> a struggle to do something somewhere else but it's awesome to hear it wasn't as much well yeah i mean i, I mean just through hard work i mean i guess others have uh, since then or even before me even perhaps tried and and and, and failed but mm-hmm. uh, um yeah having the right mindset about it and the definite uh sort of uh, vision of what it wants what it needs to be is, is is definitely helped and i guess off the back of my um you know if you want to call it pro career uh it definitely helped launch it more than anything else as well too um yeah, just uh, yeah, it, it definitely helped for sure. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear that. And so, at what point in doing things did you kind of have that mindset shift of, all right, it's definitely going to be more than just pegs and some parts here? That was probably uh, would have been two thousand and seven. 
I think late 2007. Yeah, it was. We um, there was a big comp down in Sydney, and I travelled to that. And by then we had a bunch of different different stuff out, seats and all sorts of, you know, pretty much the full range, I guess. And it, and it was going okay, but I, I was like, okay, whatever, it is what it is. I'm not too sure what's it's really, you know, what we're achieving here. But I travelled to that comp, and I looked around. There was hundreds of riders there at the time, and pretty much every second bike had something colony on it. And that to me, I was just like, oh, wow, we're actually we're doing something here. This is actually getting you know, people are into this. It's it's actually taking off, and that's when it really hit me. And um, yeah, that was that was really cool to see. Like even traveling around now, or going around Brisbane, or whatever, I'm driving along and look out the window, and I see a kid on a on a colony or academy or division. Even um, yeah, it definitely gives. A, it, it's cool to see that some kids riding around on one of your bikes or running one of your parts and stuff. And um, yeah, that uh, never gets old, and, and I definitely appreciate it, for sure. Yeah, that's got to be awesome. And I wonder, too, because of how much I've heard from you know comments on YouTube and stuff, just how expensive it is to buy parts from companies over here in Australia, if that also helps you guys out some, too. Yeah, I mean, we have no real, uh, I guess, price advantage it's all still structured much the same way that we you know buy from the same factories we import it the same shipping costs and and all that um but when um in two around 2009 i really decided to change something about that and definitely uh uh went a bit more aggressive on pricing and realistic on pricing to make it more affordable for kids mm-hmm. to participate in bmx because around about then here scooters became a real uh, they started blowing up and so they were a lot cheaper you know more affordable easy more accessible so i wanted to combat that and definitely tried to make bmx more of an attractive thing and more affordable thing for for most kids to you know get into and, and stick with mm-hmm. so uh and that's definitely changed the industry here whereas the other brands you know overseas brands and, and with their through their distributors have definitely had to um modify their their structure a little bit their pricing structure and be a bit more realistic about it so yeah, yeah. that's i don't know it's so cool to hear that stuff <clears throat> how is the bmx industry in australia yeah i mean uh i mean the last couple of years i guess like everywhere we've definitely had a bit of a boom um but you know we all knew there was a bit of a, a cliff coming and definitely gone over that cliff now like probably the rest of the world it's definitely uh gone back to normality now but um in in general in ways of uh numbers of riders and stuff i i've always said from from back in the early 2000s when i was traveling a fair bit i've always said that i think australia has the uh the strongest scene on the planet really um for amount of riders there are per head of capita for the capitals here for the population here in australia we definitely have a, a higher concentration of uh, bmx riders but that would definitely come down to the fact that say here in brisbane as i said before you know within an hour's drive circle there's a good 200 parks here so it's just it's a really strong scene in the fact that there's a lot of kids riding around the streets just just riding bikes and and so forth and it's it's really um 
it's a lot easier to to ride BMX here than other countries, from what I see. Like I remember some of my first trips to the states was '95, and I expected to get off the, you know, caught the plane there, got to LAX, then flew out to Oklahoma, went to go to a uh, there was one of the BS uh, no the um, Hoffman comps from back in the day, and uh, figured we you know got off a bus and, and and there was a bus turn up and then we're just doing some tail whip you know flatland stuff and all these bus people are looking at us and freaking out at what that what we're <laughs> doing. I'm like, this is the the home of BMX. Like you guys should see this everywhere. But then it did become quite apparent that there weren't parks every every corner. There weren't mm. as many riders as I thought there was. Um, yeah, so I think Australia has a very uh, very strong riding scene. I would definitely agree that there's less factors taking people away from BMX in that, just in my own personal experience with friends and people around here, that because we have winter, there's a lot of people who just won't go to an indoor skate park because they're not into BMX that far. So... Yeah, 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 as soon as winter hits, you're just done riding for four yeah. or five months, or an indoor skate park closes, and there's so many people around that scene that just end up completely quitting, and and yeah, so I definitely could see how being nice weather, and because there's nice weather, you can always ride outside, and having so many skate parks would make a lot less people quit just out of that alone. Oh, definitely. I mean... That's it. Just what you're describing now. I'm thinking about that now. Like, if I couldn't ride for four to five months of the year, yeah, I, 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 I don't even want to think what would <laughs> the the, uh, the outcome of that. So yeah. yeah, having the ability to ride all year round because of good weather, the abundance of parks, um, it, yeah, it really does breed a good BMX scene here in, in this country. Yeah, it totally makes sense. I. That's why I drive to Ray's twice a week, an hour to get there, you know? Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so um, another thing that I'm curious about is if you feel like because you, you're, I don't want to say isolated, but Australia is so far away from the industry oh. we have here or in the UK yeah. or whatever, do you feel like there's major differences in BMX between here and there? Oh, I mean, I, I, I guess it would be. I guess uh, I guess probably Australia is, from the outsiders looking in, it's probably more perceived as a, a very park-orientated country, I guess. Um, yeah, I guess maybe, I could see that. Maybe that's changing. It has changed in recent years. Um like Lewis Mills and stuff doing as, as, as great as he does and, mm -hmm. and all that, um, you know, so forth. But I guess it, it is probably perceived as more of a park orientated country, but um, I guess, I guess it is really because that is the most accessible, but there's also, you know, thriving dirt scenes here, street scenes, um, uh, you know, all, all kinds of riding. So it's not just, you know, park riding, that's, that's the big thing here sort of thing. So, yeah, um, yeah I, I guess that's sort of uh, a misconception of Australian riding that there really is strong riding styles from all parts of it here, not just, you know, what you might see on X Games or anything else. So, 
Yeah, I mean, you just compare the main people that we see right now in Lewis Mills, Boyd Hilder, and Logan Martin, and they all are so different. Different writers, yeah, that's right. So I think that tells you right there that there is a very varied uh, writing um, genre, you know, and abilities here in Australia, for sure. Not definitely, can't be pigeonholed, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's... That's awesome. I just love learning about, like, there's a totally separate culture, subculture of BMX down there that exists. It's still the same thing. It's still seeing BMX. Yeah, and a lot of people might think that BMX is quite serious here, but it's definitely probably, there's factions of it that are very serious and whatnot, mm. and you know, on a professional level, but there's, the majority of it is all about having fun, um, and just riding a bike and, and really that's that would be you know 95 percent of it here sort of thing so yeah and and doing colony i'm sure you're conscious of the fact that everybody or not everybody but a lot of people ride a lot of different stuff there so you, are you trying to make stuff that's suited for all the different things oh definitely i mean uh we're, we're i've always wanted colony to be a brand that's very diverse um from the products to the riders, I mean, team riders over the years and everything, and, and current. I mean, we have guys that are amazing park riders, uh, guys that have been great dirt riders, vert riders, flatlanders, um, mini ramp riders, whatever it, it is. And then the products, you know, we have a wide variety of, of products that would suit almost every style of rider out there too. So, um, and I've always wanted it to be a vi- very diverse brand. I didn't want it to be a pigeonhole brand as just a park brand or it's just a street brand or it's a dirt brand or it's a whatever brand. It's, it's something that, um, it's freestyle. It's, it's yeah. doing all sorts of stuff and, and, you know, having fun doing so. A BMX so. company. Yeah, that's it. Pretty much. <laughs> just a whatever company we, yeah. All styles of BMX I'm all for. Yeah. I, I I've, I've, I've come from a flatland background that rode mini ramps that rode dirt that rode vert ramps that rode street and all that and and yeah i continue to do so as much as i can these days yeah and real quick here before uh he might jump out of here brad asked if you'll be at the off the couch jam at pizzy park tomorrow if it's not a thousand million degrees tomorrow then yes i'll be there okay (laughs) there we go um and then also early 2000s said, did Han shoot first? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely did. There we go. Uh, that's great. So I've been curious this whole time, and I don't want to forget this question. What is your first memory of Logan Martin? Um, would have been just riding Bean Lee. He would have been around... I think one of the first times I remember, I mean, I'm, I might be wrong here, but uh, going over to our friend's house, Mark Schneider, and learning flares on his makeshift uh, resi ramp in the backyard. So, but yeah, that and, and just, yeah, being that kid that was riding Bean Lee, just um, never really stood out as anything crazy, but was just always there riding. That's sort of what I remember, so... Um, yeah, that's, that's cool. So, was it apparent 
from a certain point that there was something different about that guy? Uh, not not overly. I mean, he just he just kept kept doing what he wanted to do and pursuing it. And um, next thing you know, he just come out of almost kind of nowhere, but not really. I mean, he'd always been around. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, he just he was just that guy that just decided that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it the best and and here he, there he is. So. <laughs> He's doing it right now. Oh yeah, definitely. No denying that. <laughs> I was just kind of curious because it does feel like sometimes that there's those people who they've been around forever but then they break through this barrier and then all of the sudden just blow up in their riding and get crazy what seems Ew. like overnight. That's that's pretty much Logan, but yeah, it definitely wasn't overnight. He's definitely put in the the hard yards and right. and everything. Um, so it may appear like that, but yeah, it definitely wasn't. Yeah, he's always been around. Yeah, you don't get that good in a week. <laughs> uh, definitely, not. <laughs> definitely not. Yeah. Uh, that somebody also early two thousands also made a comment saying that the Colony Star Wars collab needs to happen. It <laughs> <laughs> uh, all. Almost did a few years back, but yeah, that's uh, that's for another story, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's so difficult to friggin' work. A bit too uh, uh, unprofitable in a way, or not unviable, I guess you could call it. Yeah. All, all on their side, so yeah, that was that's not cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's totally difficult to work with somebody like Disney if you're trying to make a product. Yeah, when you're gonna make maybe. 50 bikes you know it's, mm. yeah they're not, they're not interested in that so right yeah, they want fifty thousand. <clears throat> so can you tell me a little bit about is it proddy or is it prody uh proddy proddy so that all started when i first met uh bob herbon and michael canfield that i talked about earlier when i first sort of got into freestyle as such mm-hmm. uh, i guess i had a bit of a speech impediment and I couldn't say the word probably. So they'd ask me, hey man, you wanna go riding after school? And I'd go, yeah, proddy. <laughs> and they caught on to that and gave me shit about it. And that's how it all started was because I couldn't say the word probably, I would say proddy. <laughs> and then that's just, just came from that. And yeah, here it is years later. So that's all it was, simple as couldn't pronounce the word probably. Huh, so what is proddy? Like- today uh yeah i guess it's i mean i guess it's a i guess back then it was a bit like a bit of a a a group of riders or whatnot um which then turned into a a a video series um and uh yeah we we produced a few frames on the proddy from back in the day Uh, that was funny we um because i guess we were sick of all the frames breaking in the what it would have been like early 90s late 80s sort of thing just everything broke we had to re-weld it just probably like yourselves did over there mm-hmm. you had to put you know, extra plates on the dropouts to make them thicker to six mil or whatnot so they wouldn't bend and there was a local bike shop here in brisbane that uh he would make custom frames for people and so we thought all right well we're, i'm gonna make some proddy frames so i made myself one then my friend michael got one and then we made one for another friend ross lavender and then we're like, all right, we'll ride these. And a few people asked about them. I said, oh, if you want one, just go to that bike shop and they'll make you one. 
Um, we didn't ask for any money, like wasn't anything, you know, making a cut from it or any percentages or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And so we sold one frame. Huh. That, that was it. <laughs> so uh, there's four Prodi frames that existed back from 1993. And then I guess in 2013, was it? Yeah, 2013 is we bought back the Prodi frame as a, as a colony frame. And um, yeah, just, just for just for fun, really. So that's where all that came from. Yeah. Huh. That's cool. And then you guys recently had a premiere of a video that's been in the works for a while. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Prodi originally had seven videos. I guess the first one was 93. The last one was 99. And then I was going to do those Prodi 7. And I was going to do a Prodi 8 a couple of years later. But I traveled to Germany and... Uh, first time I'd seen snow, so I got to Germany. There was snow everywhere at the airport, and I had my bag with my, my video camera in it and all the tapes that were going to make that new proddy, and I left it on the bus at the airport. Oh. And I didn't realize until I got to my destination in Cologne, and I realized my camera bag was gone. And I was like, and I got in touch with the airport, the bus, it was gone. I yeah. never lost lost it all. So then I kind of lost interest in it all and whatever, and then. Yeah, 23 years later, um, Prodi 8 premiered on December 2nd last year, which is 2022, which is exactly 23 years to the day since Prodi 7 premiered. So it was kind of cool to... I mean, that was all just filmed off uh, pretty much iPhone footage or GoPro footage out of my phone and whatnot. Um, It was probably the last year of it leading up to it that we specifically filmed for it or whatnot, but... um, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun project. It was it was more about just getting all the older guys into it of some sort, and just to make a fun video that we could all watch. And I guess in a in a different feel and style of what videos sort of aren't these days. I guess we wanted to make it feel like a you know a late '90s, early 2000s sort of video. So and I think I think we achieved that. So hopefully, um, yeah, it was good awesome. fun. And. I did feel like I remember seeing that you had to get tickets and stuff for the premiere. Was it a pretty big thing that you organized? Yeah, well, I, when I first booked it, I wanted to do it in a in a, in a cinema just to make it real fun or whatnot and, and just special. Mm-hmm. And I only booked a sixty seat cinema. And as soon as I launched that, I you know, hey, this is going to be this is it. You got to get in, get your tickets. Everyone was like, oh, sixty, that's not going to be enough. And then I really did the math, and I thought, well, yeah. 60 seats isn't enough, so I think then we upped it to 130, and um, I think we had, I, I kept myself 10 spare seats just to be, you know, any friends that turned up that were too slack to buy tickets or whatnot, um, but yeah, we, we sold the place out, and it was a great night, and yeah, definitely, definitely was a good good fun time. That's so, amazing. Yeah, 130 people in this, uh, in a full cinema in the middle of, middle of Brisbane City, which is, you know, like, it was like pretty full-on cinema and yeah, had a bar and everything. So yeah, it's good times. That's awesome. Yeah, there's nothing like seeing a video that you made on a movie screen. It's... Oh, definitely. It was cool. And yeah. and the, the cinema were awesome in, in the fact of, uh, you know, catering for us and all that. They they'd really did, did really good. Like I'll definitely have another premiere there when the time comes for sure. Yeah, I try to say is every time it comes up, like if you make a full length video, you 
gotta try and premiere it in a theater or show it in a theater if you can because my experience with it it was so easy to do all like and it was cheap it was only three hundred fifty dollars or something to rent out the theater and there's a bit different here for that but um well i wasn't in a big city for mine yeah 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 now well this is this is a cinema right in the middle of the city so like it's a it was legit it was legit as so um yeah it was all yeah definitely 100 percent. we'll do it again for sure when the time comes yeah Yeah. and anybody else out there you definitely gotta explore the options of it because it was it was just so easy and like i had the lady email me and she's like well, we need to see some of the project just to give it approval. And I'm like, it's not even done yet. I'm whatever, whatever. She's like, oh, I only need a couple minutes. So I only sent, you know, like one section of this video that's 40 minutes long and immediately got a reply. Oh, yeah, this is great. This is going to be good. And that was it. It was so easy to do. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. For sure. A lot easier than you think it is. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, I'm also curious, since we're talking about Parati and going things back, I forgot to ask, too, like, what your first memory of BMX and seeing it is? Uh, that would have been... Oh, jeez. I would have been seven, so that would make it 1981. My next-door neighbors were kind of well-off, I guess, and so they had a big piece of land, and then their dad must have had bobcats or something and bmx first sort of started to be a thing and they built a bmx track in their front yard oh wow i we couldn't afford a bmx bike so i had an old uh dragster i don't know if you have those over there it's like a s down tube and an s top tube or whatever like pretty much a just a bike and we kind of made it look like a bmx bike by just painting it up and putting some pad sets on it and, and whatnot. But, um, yeah, they, 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 they all could afford BMX bikes. So they were riding around this BMX track and in their front yard. And to me, that was just like the coolest thing and tried to mimic it and, and, and ride around with them and whatnot. But, um, yeah, that was, that was awesome. Then I finally got my first bike in 84 and, uh, yeah, <laughs> doing skid and stuff. It was great. <laughs> that's awesome so so coming up riding what was your your first experience i mean you kind of talked a little bit about connecting with the local bike shop and that being kind of your way into the industry was that what was your first like sponsor was i mean aside from that shop i guess oh well it would be that bike shop and then uh i guess past that there was a skate shop that started up the same street and they didn't last long, but um, Vision Streetwear was a huge thing back then. And so we all were decked out. I don't know. We didn't get it for free. We couldn't have got it for free. It must have been, we must have just paid, you know, half price or some sort of discount or mm-hmm. I can't remember. But yeah, we were head to toe, Vision Streetwear, Vision Streetwear, Mondo pants, Vision Streetwear shirts, Vision Streetwear berets, the whole thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. it was all, you know, all like that. So yeah. I guess that was my next real, well, sort of first sponsor, I guess. Um, yeah. So, what yeah, about that, BMX Company? Uh, that would... I'm going to think of this now. 
probably um well i reckon basic bikes mm. yeah i reckon basic bikes actually before that i always just get discounts or something or whatever you know i'd buy a whatever and get a bit of a discount price but basic i guess were the first company that ever yeah sent me a frame for free which was amazing um I think I bought a basic first. Yeah, I bought a uh, it was a translucent red big city bastard. It was the ones that had the the first sort of series of their own bikes besides the standards and whatnot, but they had the bent top tube and platform. Mm-hmm. Those ones. Um, I had one. I bought one of those myself. I must have been from them. And then I started actually importing their frames a couple of t- you know a little bit there. I might have might have bought in two three frames or whatever it was. Um, but then they sent me a, a prototype big city bastard then it was a it was a, like a apricot peach color or salmon um, I, I literally have one of those on the screen right now oh there you go all right and it's got the big big gusset at the head tube and top tube there yep. yeah like a big sort of plate like a mongoose gusset without a hole in it sort of thing um i love that bike and uh yeah i guess yeah basic were my first first sponsor yeah that platform is massive. <laughs> yeah. That thing is, I'm, but you could still see, you know, even today, looking at that, you can see a modern BMX bike, kinda in that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was good. It was probably the first frame, one of the first frames that overrode that you didn't have to weld on gussets or thicken up the dropouts or whatever. It came. As it was, and it was, yeah, it was, it was good to ride. No, I was, um, yeah, very appreciative of that for sure. That's awesome. So, did you spend a lot of time outside of Australia as your BMX career started, you know, taking off? Yeah, my first trip was '95, and we went there for, you know, five, six weeks, and that really opened my eyes to what was in the States or overseas. Mm hmm. Um, then I went back again in 98 for, for two months and traveled around again. That was, you know, amazing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I went to the Worlds in Germany in 2000. And then once I did that, that's when it really opened my eyes to what the greater world was all about and opportunities and just, you know, living the dream, I guess, and, and living that lifestyle. And, um, yeah, from then onwards, I pretty much went back to Germany or to Europe pretty much every year for a good few months a year and I think at one point there I, I added up all the little trips I did in one year and I was away for nine months of the year Wow! all these different trips and I was sort of like got a little bit burnt out by that but because it was a lot of traveling and whatnot but it was funny like you know I paid for this apartment renting it the whole time and nine months of the time I was away so I was like what am I doing and but yeah, that was that was good. That was that were good days. That was you know the sort of the um, early to mid to late two thousands was was for me was you know almost a good ten years there of just traveling and riding and, and so forth. It was really good. That's awesome. Yeah, I heard that you uh, competed too and did somewhat well. Yeah, I mean, I went to the, my first ever Worlds in two thousand. I went there and again. Being that guy from Australia, you're like, oh, the whole world's, you know, everyone else is amazing. We're, we're, we're just, we're nothing sort of thing or whatnot. And then you go there and you see all, 
you know, you see Asados and you see Fimus and Jason Enns and Taj and Joe Rich and all these, you know, names that you just see in props all the time and you're like, wow, that's amazing. And then, then I'm up there on the same platform with them riding in the mini ramp comp or whatnot and, you know, I end up getting fifth or something in the comp and you're like, oh, wow, this is, holy crap, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm doing this with these guys. This is, mm-hmm. this is so, yeah, it definitely opened my eyes to, you know, what was um, possible and I guess that opened up a lot of Australian other riders eyes too that hey well we could probably travel and do that same sort of stuff too so um you know um right guys like mckay colin mckay and myself mm-hmm. uh, definitely opened up that to a lot of other riders and and whatnot and showed that yeah you know you can do this if you if that's what you want to do so yeah. yeah that's awesome do you remember a distinct moment where you were there with all those guys and you first felt like and realized I'm a part of this yeah that would be 98 uh, my second trip to the states um, it was Oceanside uh, a B3 comp one of the ESPN B3 comps and yeah I wrote in that and I, I turned I was expert then they wouldn't let you go pro unless you could prove yourself or something I guess so I wrote in the expert class or oh, uh, they call it stunt boy class mm. right and actually ended up winning that for park and so then they allowed me to turn pro so then i rode pro the next day or whatever it was and i'm up on the platform you know there was, there was mirror there there's 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 mirror on there's nyquist there's um josh Hino was in that one then um it was just amazing it was just crazy to be there for all those sort of riders and I just okay, well, I'll do what I can do, and end up qualifying six for the final. And I was like, "This is amazing! What the hell? This is this is unreal!" And then end up getting eighth in the finals. But um, yeah, to me that was just sitting up on the deck with those guys riding in the same comp, um, hearing my name called out. Those guys was was definitely an eye opener, and that that's when it really changed for me. And that's when I went to the worlds, you, you know, a year or so after that in germany and just yeah just kept snowballing from there so that's amazing that's so cool do you so i'm curious too was lip tricks and and tech always a part of your riding yeah I, i guess coming from a flatland background um that was kind of my traction of that because it kind of felt like flatland on the ramps platform or coping or whatnot yeah i was never a big jumping or air guy and still aren't and never will be really <laughs> but, um, yeah i guess just yeah doing top nose picks or you know trying to learn that stuff and you know first learn ice picks and toothpicks and all that stuff and it just just felt my thing um you know yeah, I wasn't all. About, I never have and never will do backflips and all that stuff. But um, yeah, that was just that was just my thing, and it definitely it just gelled with me really well and felt my my, my sort of forte. That's that's cool. I can I can relate a little bit. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I just that's just what I like doing, and um, yeah, not going to be stopping anytime soon. So heck no. Seeing your videos, man, it's so awesome. The stuff you're just killing it. <laughs> oh, thank you. I just 
just trying, just doing what I, just having fun with it. So yeah. Yeah. Like, and that ramp setup that you have is incredible. Like that that setup <laughs> is just. I mean, everything you could want to ride is there. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, I guess riding here, I was just riding the parks and stuff, and then like, I guess sort of touched on it earlier the scooter scene got real big here and you go to a park and there'd be just a bunch of scooter kids everywhere or whatnot and it just get pretty crazy to try to get a good session in and i'd been contemplating building my own backyard ramp for a bit there and then i was just like you know what i'm doing this and so um i rung tim wood who was sort of the only person i really knew that did that stuff at that time and i think it must have been about august or something and said look man if, if we can do this, if I can get a ramp built by Christmas, let's do it. And he said, yeah, we can do that. And bang, we just worked my guts off and basically had a ramp built, finished it New Year's Eve and had a session on New Year's Eve and just had a barbecue afterwards and it was just awesome. And ever since then, uh, we since then moved house and I rebuilt the same mini ramp but made it a full length spine it was only half sort of spine then uh, with a platform next to it and then we made it full length and i was like oh this is going to be awesome that's that's amazing it's like you know it's you know 25 yeah it's 30 percent more ramp sort of thing so it's going to be great and then now it's just grown to what it is and we'll continue to grow i'm we're not done yet I like i i get bored sometimes and go oh, i want to ride a this ramp or i want to ride that ramp and so we'll just make it. Um, I've got lots of ideas yet, so there's going to be a lot more to come yet. <laughs> Dude, that's sick. You have a lot of, there's a lot of area that you can expand it to. Oh, definitely. Yeah, for sure. No, we're not, we're not uh, held back by the area that we've got to build on. It's just more so the uh, time effort and, and I guess money to build it. So um, I do want to do, I've been talking about it for quite a while now, but I do want to do some special sort of invite only events in the backyard um, I'll probably trial it out with a bunch of Australian riders first, but then I do want to open it up and, and make it like an international event, be like some sort of you know invitational event where a bunch of riders will come and uh, it'll be a it be could be a I mean my idea it could be a comp, um, but it would be sort of different. Maybe the riders are judging it or uh, be like the old Rebel Jam style of stuff where there'd be like a style tech and whatever the class and it's sort of judged that way that way you could have you know guys like logan martin or paterico or whoever else riding in it and it's everyone can kind of do their own thing and excel in that sort of area so some sort of invitational event like that i want to do a film it all make a, a proper video out of it sort of thing and, and whatnot so yeah hopefully you do something like that for later this year so that yeah. sounds amazing that'll be yeah be so good i'm kind of curious to hear more about your idea of how you judge something like that because that's definitely something i've thought a lot about in like how to make things even more fair so that people like Paterico and logan and boyd and any and right, other oh that's right and that's why i think if you have it split up into different categories so you have like you know just for argument's sake like the old rebel james stabbing they used to have style technical and or difficulty or something and, and and whatever use of course or whatever i don't know you, you'd have to think of those sort of things but then i thought of another way then do that but then have 
because there's always like you know after the fact of a comp ah so and so should have won that or so and so should have won this and I think if you have the riders judge each other on you know um, it's all a private ballot or, or judging mm-hmm. or uh, I think that would hopefully result in a pretty fair thing like you know everyone would be stoked on so-and-so doing something and and whatnot and and who else is better to know than what what's actually been done is good is the writers themselves so that's kind of my idea whether it'll go that way i don't know um i talked to dillywad dave dillywad about it and he's like oh what you're doing us out of a job just joking (laughs) yeah it was was pretty funny because you know like he's an olympic judge these days so Mm -hmm. um yeah but yeah, we'll see. I don't know. Who knows? But I do want to do some sort of event, and I want to make it different and fun and as as fair as it can be for all styles of riders that would 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 come to it. So, but being it is in my own private backyard, it definitely will be an invite-only sort of a yeah. smaller event. Maybe a each rider might have a plus one or something that they could bring. But again, it's yeah, it's my private place, so I don't want. Um, thousand people here or, or whatnot but um you're right yeah, we'll see what happens yeah. yeah yeah man i i hope that i can ride that ramp one day yeah <laughs> oh. if you ever get down here hit me up for sure yeah that's that's the thing just because you know it's so expensive to go from here I, all the I, way there definitely well it was really cool like late last year they had a um a fees fees event here on the gold coast mm-hmm. and so had all the international you know those riders here uh and it was great having you know the german team and the european teams over u.s team of nyquist and all that and darden and so forth it was it was really cool having all those guys over and showing them the backyard and riding it and seeing the kangaroos and everything and i i mentioned to them my idea of you know doing this event and they're all for it so it'll the international one might end up being if that event happens again december next year or this year so it might be either before it or after it, probably before it, um, just as a fun thing for all those guys to come along to too. And um, but yeah, I definitely want to do do a couple of these events for sure. Yeah, that'll be super good. I'm curious to hear about your your local riding scene too. I feel like you got a lot of good guys who come out and ride your ramp with you. Oh, definitely. Um, it's yeah, no, it's a really really good little scene. I mean. I guess the kind of thing with it is just sort of having the guys over that I, you know, want to ride with or whatnot. So, but yeah, it's it's a really good scene. Pretty much every every weekend, I'm pretty much a weekend warrior these days, you know. So busy with everything else, but um, I'm fine with that. But um, that is a really good scene. And outside of, you know, it's not just my backyard too. There's there's definitely a strong scene within Brisbane of the amount of riders that are here, the amount of parks we've got. Um, and just you know just a good good time so yeah yeah what's what's it like watching Parico ride in real life that guy <laughs> just is something else yeah no nah, that's something special for sure like uh it's funny i kind of live my life through him in a way whereas you know there'll be a trick that i've always wanted to do or or would love to see and i'll just throw it at him and yeah two guys later he's pulled it so you know yeah. he's um He's definitely got the skills and um, most important thing, just a good person to hang around with. And um, yeah, I've got a lot of time for him for sure. Yeah, that guy, those three to nose jams, it's just yeah. 
wild and he'll do it in the middle of a run and it's just like <laughs> mind blowing. Well again, I guess that comes down to the whole Australian perspective on riding is that yeah, you know, we see those videos where guys are doing stuff, you know, it looks like they're doing it every time, but in reality they've taken maybe X amount of goes to do that. But mm -hmm. it's a lot of riders here in Australia are just like, Oh, well, that's what you gotta do and so yeah, we do become I guess quite dialed in that way. But yeah, Pat's definitely got a a unique style about him and um yeah it's always fun to watch yeah who else you got riding with you on the regular uh yeah i mean besides uh team riders i guess you got dylan radford who works at the village the village skate park he, he comes out i guess during covid um when the government here you could only have two people over at your house during that peak of that and so you can only have two visitors so for however it worked out, it was putting it was Pat and Dylan that would always come over and we'd be riding the ramp while the rest of the country you weren't allowed to go outside your postcode basically and True. I kinda of felt guilty about that, but just just by chance we ended up having a I had a backyard set up prior to all that, so we got to ride it and, and whatnot. But um yeah, there's there's yeah, I mean I guess Dylan comes around a lot. Um put me on the spot here. I can't think of everyone now, but, um, okay. yeah, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. Good. That's good to hear. Uh, what, what's your current bike setup? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's a colony, obviously. Yeah. But, I'm just uh, curious which parts you go with. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, forks and mounts, brake mounts, front and back brakes, obviously gyro, mm. full pegs, uh, cassette. I used to run Free Coaster way back in the day with my Flatland days, but um, then Free Coaster back then, which was just a Sun Tour Not the best. <laughs> steel thing, 3.8 axle. When you start doing ice picks, it didn't last that long. So then I switched to um, cassettes, which were then with 14 mil and they just came out. But um, yeah, I, I run cassette these days. I can't handle the... Um, free coaster stuff i just and i don't really roll backwards much so mm -hmm. um yeah just a, I guess somewhat light but i'm not a light guy it's everything's just straight out of the box colony stuff that i ride so yeah. but it ends up being quite a light bike for a bike with full pegs and front brakes you know front and back brakes gyro and all that um yeah it does me well which yeah. which frame well i ride my own little frame i used to ride the proddy Mm -hmm. And then I rode that for a good eight years just because I loved the nostalgia looking down to the platform and whatnot. Yeah. And then I guess riding it for eight years, I was like, oh, you know what? I just want to go back to a non-platform bike for a little bit. So I basically got got Taiwan to make me four frames, which same geometry and everything as a proddy, but just no platform. So it's kind of kind of mimics my old We the People Miller Light in a way. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I've kind of dubbed it the Miller not so light, <laughs> not not that light these days. So, um, yeah, no, a bit of fun. It's just, uh, yeah, it's basically a product of no platform. So, I gotcha. Probably a fourteen inch or thirteen point nine back end, uh, seventy five point two head tube, twenty point six top tube. Mm. So, pretty run of the mill. That's um, interesting. You to hear you riding. Uh what would be considered long rear end by today's standards and doing a lot of tech yeah i guess it's just what i'm used to um you know i like tried 
jumping on some of our other frames, say a sweet tooth or whatnot, which is not crazy short by any means. It's a, uh, you know, 13.4, I think they are, no, 13.25 or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But to me, it feels crazy short. Like, um, yeah, I just like what I've written all these years, I guess. And It's working. It's not- <laughs> yeah, if it's not broken, man, don't fix it. So I totally feel that. Yeah. I'm the same way, man. I'm like, I, I want this geometry because I'm used to it. It's right in the middle. It's generic. I can go to the trails. I can ride a skate park. It doesn't matter. It all feels good. Exactly. That's it. So, yeah, why? There's no need to change it. If it, if it works well, then just stick doing what you're doing. Right. What uh, Have you changed your crank length over the years at all? Or are you running normal? No, 170s. I always ran 170s back in the day, too, when I started running profile cranks way back. Mm-hmm. I get to 170s because you'd always get profiles and they'd bend. they just sort of seat into that particular spot and they'd just bend. So I figured if I get 170s, maybe they won't bend as much. Oh, yeah. A little bit less leverage. Yep. That was all it was about. It wasn't about anything else. And, <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know, stuck with that, 170s. Yeah, I did try... I don't know if I had 165s on my bike or I rode someone's bike that had 165s on it, but it felt crazy short and real hard to pedal to me. And I just, you wouldn't think five mil to do it, but it really does. It makes a bit of difference. So, yeah, 170s is where I'm at. I gotcha. I always appreciated the fact that Colony made brakes and everything to just, for everything. We already talked a little bit about it, but just the brake thing too. I just appreciate yeah. that. Well, the, the only thing we don't make is, I think, a chain mm. and, funnily enough, a front brake cable. <laughs> huh. So, probably should fix that, but um, now everything else we do uh, and we'll be one of the, f- till, I, till I'm not involved, I don't know how, when that ever would be, but as long as I'm in charge, there'll always be forks of brake mounts, that's for certain, so. Heck yeah. Um, we're probably one of the few that really do make them and will always continue to do so. So Yeah, yeah I th- it feels like it's just the the biggest names are the ones that are doing it still. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah. I mean, it, it is a very small market for that stuff. Like, don't yep. get me wrong. We, we make them and I'll have a box of them, boxes of them sitting there and it's pretty much me that's using them. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, you, you do sell a few here and there. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm also curious, um, who are you stoked on right now in BMX? We can talk about Colony Riders, but first, outside of Colony Riders. Oh, um, now you put me on the spot. Um, just, just a couple of random people who come to mind. Billy Woodfin. Billy's sick. Yeah, just seeing his stuff, like, that's just unbelievable tech stuff which is my kind of style front brakes all that like mm-hmm. and tough you know over tooth all that kind of stuff stuff that i wish i could do <laughs> um yeah uh, uh i mean yeah mark webb his yeah. uh you know, tech abilities and whatnot which is just you know mm-hmm. untouchable um yeah it's I'll throw Tom Justice's name out there just because. Exactly. Nah, definitely. Nah, definitely. Um, yeah, Tom's 
can do all the tech stuff, then they'll throw against, you know, throw together a run in a, in a park that's just fluid and just very styly, big tricks, tech, tech mixed in, just yeah. And you won't no. know what's regular and opposite in that no. run. Exactly. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um, definitely, Tom. Yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Scott told me to ask you about the Clint uniform. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, tan dickies, <laughs> and usually a white t-shirt, which is probably with my dog on the white hardy t- shirt that I always wear. So yeah, every birthday, every birthday edit, put the put the uh, put the uniform on, which is yeah, tan pants and the, and the white shirt, and but yeah, that's just what I, I don't know. Yeah, I just yeah. he brought Dickies that up. Yeah. He brought it up, and I was just like, what? The Clint uniform? And then I thought about it for a second. I was like, oh, wait a minute. He's wearing the tan pants all the time. Tan pants. That's funny. I, I, um, this is oh, probably going back 10 years now. Went to Taiwan once for a uh, Taipei trade show to meet up then with a, a distributor from, uh, I think it was from Korea. And I rocked up. I'd, I'd had the tan pants on just by chance. Yeah. And, oh, Clint, that's you. Yes, we recognize you from the pants. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> that is pretty is funny. funny. That is super funny. It's pretty funny. I, I totally glossed over the fact that I said we could talk about colony riders. Uh, I know there's, you're stoked on all of them. I recently added uh, Steve Woodward. And yep. dang it, there was one more and I can't. Joey. Joe, duh. Yes, yes. Two well, people Steve, that make sense. No, nah, no, nah, definitely. Well, Steve, Steve rode for us way back in the day, actually, mm-hmm. and, and he sort of, just sort of, felt like he needed to step back from that side of BMX for for a few years there, and um, always been a favourite of watching, you know, watching him ride and whatnot. And then I just hit him up one day, and I was like, man, would you, you know, what do you think of ever, you know? You shouldn't be riding a lot more these days, so let's, you know, you want to ride a colony again? And he was, yeah, over the moon by it. Now I was stoked that he was, he was stoked to do it, and um, yeah, that that sort of just happened from there. And then, yeah, Joey, same thing. Um, just watched, started seeing some videos of him popping up from, you know, doing his crazy spins that he does and and everything like that. And uh, I think I saw that he left his then current sponsor or whatnot and um mm-hmm. thought well you know we now we've got steve let's let's get joey you know like um and uh yeah it just happened and haven't had a chance to meet him yet as such you know face to face but that will happen in, in in due course and yeah stoked on it for sure and and, and patty gross they're up in portland um known him since 2000 when i first went to germany and yeah, just you know, lifelong friends of Patty and him repping Colony over there for the states too. Just just feels right. And Anthony Napolitan in the states as well. Um, yeah, it all just it's a small crew, but it, it just feels good. You know, it's what mm-hmm. we're about. And, and um, yeah, it's a solid crew. That is for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and it's it's about being good riders, but more so about being good people is what I want to be associated with. So I want to be able to think that I could, you know, sit in a van with someone for a week and go on a road trip and not want to kill them. So yeah, that's, 
part of it, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I was going to ask you about Patty because he's ridden for Colony and been associated for a long time. I just assumed you guys have been lifelong friends. Yeah, I mean, we first met, in, as I said, in 2000, and then when I was going back to Germany all that time, I lived in Germany for 2001 and just hanging out a lot. And, yeah, just, uh, I guess it was just natural progression for him to, you know, eventually ride for Colony and... and it, it's it, like most of the guys I like to think it feels more like a, a friendship and 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 whatnot than just some sort of just sponsorship or whatnot so mm-hmm. more of a, yeah it's what we're about yeah and I've told a lot of people this I'm convinced that Patty might be the nicest person that I know <laughs> yeah he's definitely uh definitely a good natured person that's for certain absolutely I mean I'm I met him in 2015 or 2016. Haven't seen him since, and he still sends me like a personalized text on like Christmas or New Year's time. <laughs> Every yeah, year. No. Patty's special, that's for certain. He's a good guy. And just amazing at riding. Ah, ridiculous. I mean, stuff he, like, just those whip to pegs that he does, like, nothing. Like, it's. I could never do that trick in a million years, but um, yeah, no, he's definitely and he can do it all. Like he's he's won mini ramp comps. He's you know competed in dirt X Games back in the day, and you know can do it all. He's yep. uh, definitely talented. Yeah, and I mean you look at someone like Steve who can also do it all. He'll whip to over ice on a double coping <laughs> spine. And then he'll also flip whip in that ditch that he rides. Ditch, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, nah, <what? laughs> and he's like nah, forty something. Nah, definitely, yeah, that's it. I mean, that's that's with all my riders associated with Colony. I want everyone to be sort of have their own thing about themselves, not just to be some sort of cookie cutter mm-hmm. rider or not. I want everyone to just have their own style, and and I totally welcome that. Like, I don't think any two guys on the team really ride in a similar way, so. Yeah, and you just added, I have it. Dean Florian. Yes, I was going to bring that up. Dean Florian. I haven't yet watched the video, but it looks like it's on your ramp. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that was uh, filmed just two afternoons. Um, I think it was, yeah, just two afternoons in the backyard. Like, said, all right, let's make a... You know, hit him up said hey let's you know you want to ride for Colin and he was really stoked on that and um yeah so we thought oh let's make a quick little welcome video and yeah he filmed that with ease and uh, Dean's a good guy we'd spoken a fair bit on Instagram for a couple of years there he was going to come out here just before COVID started or around when sort of COVID started and I said yeah you're going to have to wait they, they don't let people in the country right now so took a couple of years and then October just this year just last year gone he finally got out here and he's on a working holiday for for 12 months and um, got to hang out and ride with him a fair bit and yeah he's, he's a good guy so definitely a welcome addition to the family for yeah, sure yeah that's awesome who else you got you got Pat yeah uh, Jaden Fuller J-Dog oh that guy's rad too yeah I mean he's again it's all different styles so you know Jaden's probably about as far away from my riding style as you can get, but mm-hmm. what he does, he does it really well. You know, riding bowls and all that. Um, then you got, um, you know, 
Zachariah Dangerfield. Just another amazing some, rider. Yeah, you know, just crazy tech stuff, hang five stuff, yes. hang five stall, no stall stuff. Um, then you've got, you know, guys like, uh, well, actually, Jack Kelly from back in the day. Mm. Street rider. He's just started riding again at a bit of a pretty high level. Nice. Um, getting straight back into it. Um, yeah, there's, there's, you know, Simon O'Brien, Flatland legend. Um, Keo in Japan, again, you know, one of the best Flatlanders in the world right now. Flatlander yeah. of the year, two years in a row. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a very varied team, styles of riders, style of products is what I'm all about and not wanting, you know, just, just, yeah, just doing it, doing it all really is what I want to try to do. So being BMX. Exactly. Yeah. Not, not, not limiting ourselves. Mm. Yeah. Are there any up and coming riders in Australia, not necessarily for colony, but just in general that you see kind of going somewhere? Well, again, I'll, I'll be biased there, but yeah, little Kobe Clayton. Mm. Um, he's from Brisbane here as well. Um, and little Raf as well from Brisbane, both colony riders. Raf's like seven, I think. Mm. Kobe's 11 now. Um, but yeah, doing amazing stuff. Like they're really, uh, they're going to be riders to watch in the years ahead for sure. I'll so, have to check them out. I haven't heard of them yet. No, nah, definitely. Yeah, Little Raf and, and Kobe. Um, yeah, really good riders for their age. Um, even, you know, surpassing a lot of riders that are older than them sort of thing. But it's just really good to see. And different styles too. Like Raf's like, likes, loves to go big or jump, any jump out there. Um, and Kobe's just getting real... Uh, technical with his with his park riding and and so forth so nice yeah it's good to see then i had the opportunity to see another he's like mini logan martin that's the only way i know to describe him i can't remember his name he rides for hyper as well he was here in the u.s for a contest or something i can't remember his name but he's doing the flare whip crazy stuff and he's only 12 or 13 yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of those riders here. So, uh, again, just goes back to the whole fact that there's, you know, 200 parks within an hour's drive here. There's, it's definitely flourished a lot of yeah. those younger riders. And that, they'll come out. Yeah, there's, there's there's heaps of them. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and that's I, f- thing. I feel like we can't have a conversation about Colony and riders and Australian stuff. I know he doesn't ride for Colony anymore, but we can't talk and skip over Alex Hyde because oh, no, definitely not. He definitely is. Not. Oh my goodness! I was, I was going through old videos from him when he's thirteen, and he's like doing a lot of the stuff he still does today already. Yeah. Now Alex is is definitely one of the most talented riders I've ever met out there for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I first heard whispers about sort of Alex or this younger kid getting around Brisbane at the time. And, you know, oh, he's really good. He's just that, whatever. And probably six months had gone by and I just kept hearing these stories and just didn't seem to cross paths. And then I went to one park at it. Um, it's called Currabee, which is here in Brisbane. It's a pretty good park. And I rocked up and there was a bunch of skaters and all that, a bunch of BMX riders. There's probably... You know, 50 people at the park at that particular day. And then little Alex is riding around doing what he does, and the whole park would just stop and watch him <laughs> ride. And what got me was he did a tail nose pick. 
to me, or foot jam whip or whiplash or whatever kids yeah. call it these days. And that to me, because then the sort of new kids that would come up, they'd be trying backflips or just whatever's or you know, but he was doing top nose picks, and to me that was like whoa. And so I walked up to him and said, "Hey man, what are you doing? You know, would you would you like to ride for Colony?" And um, I'd already sort of heard a lot about him, and he was just yeah, good little kid. And uh, bang, that's when it all sort of started and went from there. And um, yeah, no, Alex is definitely one of the more talented riders out there for sure and uh, I wish him the best and whatever sort of comes his way in the future for sure yeah the one thing that just blew my mind recently was that the 270 whip to over ice on whatever that setup was oh that was from uh, from Pat oh was it Pat okay that's Pat that did that yeah Pat either way that. that trick is in my <laughs> mind well, that trick, he'd, he'd been trying that the week before. Uh, kind of got close, but kind of nowhere near it. Like, close enough to, like, oh, I think I could do that. And then Cooper came up uh, for, as he does every few months, Cooper will, Cooper Brownlee will drive up or fly up from Melbourne, which is a good 24-hour drive from Brisbane. Oh, wow. He, so, yeah, we live a fair bit apart from each other. So he'll come up and film the guys and whatnot and that's how all the content sort of happens and then he'll go back down to Melbourne and and or we'll fly them down there or they'll drive down there and so forth or wherever else. But he came up and it was stinking hot. It was like it was middle of summer, really hot, like you know, hundred degree plus sort of weather. And we're like sitting there and we're like, Alright Cooper's like, Oh, you gotta do you gotta film that trick now, you know? And Pat's like, Oh man, it's so hot though, I just you know So I I get out there, I'm second angle, I've got this the tripod angle. I get my big hat on, put sunscreen on, got a chair, set up, ready to go, thinking I'm going to be here for a couple of hours. This is going to take a while to get this trick. And he did it first go. No way. Did that first go. Oh, my gosh. First go. And we're like, just we're all set up, ready to go, thinking we're here for hours, got batteries, extra batteries. He did it first go. And we're like, what the fuck? No <laughs> like, doubt. Yeah, first go we did that. That was um, yeah, that was, that's that's amazing. So, no kidding. That's, yeah, that's... he hasn't done it since. He wants to, and he will. But um, yeah, first go we did that. It was unbelievable. I'm convinced though that there's this thing with BMX where you try a trick and you might not be close to it, but it's in the realm of possibility. And then you wait a couple months, that yep. it happens first try so well, many times totally you could be trying saying 180 times or whatever and just don't not getting it give it a, a day or two or yeah as you said months even sometimes week whatever come back the next weekend bang it just happens yep. well that happened to him because it was, that was the weekend before the next weekend yeah we're expecting it to go on for a couple of hours and bang he just did it first go that's it was, amazing um, unbelievable yeah yeah, and the consequences, I feel like, are pretty high with that trick if things go wrong. Oh, yeah. I mean, that setup that we've made, I kind of call that, that well, that's dubbed as, uh, that's that's my resi. Mm -hmm. It's basically a quarter pipe, which is the same as my spine ramp, and then it has double coping and about a foot <laughs> drop and then a deck. And so it's, it's made to learn all that kind of stuff on. Mm. Guys like Pat and all that have learned heaps of tricks on it. I haven't learned one thing on it yet, but 
I will. <laughs> that's funny. But yeah, that that's that's my kind of resi. So yeah. That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that trick definitely just stood out to me. Um, this is a totally huge shift in what we're talking about, but I've seen a lot of your posts about cars and things. I don't know anything about cars, but I yeah. want to talk about your cars. Yeah, well, um, it's all Chad DeGroote's fault. Thanks, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I had a I had a Mitsubishi L three hundred van, which uh, Chad Johnston would definitely know about. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my first ever car from school, and then it started dying, and it, the engine pretty much broke on it. And at the time, Paul Boy five hundred miles had come out, and Chad DeGroote was in that with this dark blue Volkswagen Type three Squareback little station wagon. And I was like, wow, that car's amazing. And at the time, I you know, thought Chad was just, you know, still do. But, yeah, he was definitely one rider I looked up to, you know, translucent, red standard and all that stuff. And um, my car blew up, and I'm like, I'm going to buy one of those cars that Chad's got. I don't even know what that is. But So I did the research and then found one in my, in my local town for, I think it was $1,300, and went and bought it. I was like, yeah, this is cool. All right, I'm going to drive this thing now. And then I drove down to Bean Lee on a Friday night, which is the Bean Lee skate park. We'd all drive down there and, and ride during the night. And the first day I bought that car, I almost got to Bean Lee, heard this noise, and then bang, the left-hand front, left-hand rear wheel fell off. Oh, no. And so I had to jack it back up and then put the wheel back on and everything. And then I loved that thing. Over the years, I, I did it all up and you know, put carpet in it and got this done, got a new engine and all sorts of stuff done to it and loved that thing. And then um, sold it to fund myself to move to Germany in 2001. And it was a sad day having to sell that car, but I was like, all right, well, I've got to do this to move over to Germany and ride and whatnot. And then... Fast forward to 2009, I guess, uh, doing Colony, and I was like, it was, you know, worked very hard that year, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'm gonna treat myself. I'm gonna, I want to get a Volkswagen again. And so then I found a, a Volkswagen Squareback that I thought was amazing, and I bought that, and it was just really cool, just driving it around, and then just things grew from there, and now I've got a few of them, so. <laughs> Yeah, you got some really cool cars. I'm going to pull up. I know you got some posted on your Instagram. There's a couple of them that are just, they look awesome. <clears throat> like with the old style. What color is the square back you were talking about? Oh, uh, that was an old one. But yeah, that was red. But I mean, my current one, I've got a white panel van and a brown panel van square back. Yeah. Okay. I just saw the recent picture you posted and wondered if that was the one. Uh, there was a white. That'd be a Brasilia. Yeah. Yeah, white. It looks like a Golf, but um, it's air-cooled, 1974. They only made them for Brazil, basically. Um, and that one there is the only one in, in Australia. Um, they're quite a rare car, actually. So. Nice. Um, yeah. No, I don't know. It's just a, a bit of a crazy addiction, I guess, or fixation in Volkswagens but yeah it's all Chad DeGroote's fault so thanks Chad <laughs> How no, I see he's got one recently again too Chad Chad's actually got himself a square back again which is really cool to see he calls it Pig Nose nice 
EW pig nose or something is use Instagram with it or something. So how many of these did you have to import yourself? Uh yeah, a few of them are left all left a few of them are left hand drive. Probably three. Three of them currently I do import, yeah. Yeah. The one, the is that brown, grayish brown with colony on the door? Yeah, that's the yeah, I drove that one yesterday to the office actually. So um yeah that that's an original australian car that it went to the uk lived there for a bunch of years and then a uk company contacted me and said hey we've got this car what are you thinking we do a collab and we did a, a collab they were called the type 3 detectives they do up type 3s they're a full volkswagen sort of uh shop or whatnot and um yeah we did the car and, and i bought it out here so, so it it's actually awesome. uh, for the uh, clutch and brake pedal, it's got actually official stem, colony official stem top caps. Oh, nice. For the uh, brake clutch pedal pads. Nice. So, yeah, it's a bit of a BMX car for sure. That is too cool. Yeah, that's the one that I was thinking whenever I was talking about. They just look good. Yeah, just, just I mean, probably some of them are flat out, flat out getting up a hill. But uh, they're just fun cars to drive and always bring a smile to your face. Yeah. Uh, I think that was all of the cars. I'm just scrolling through. What's this yellow thing? Ah, oh, that would be the Fridolin. So yeah. that's a 1974 Volkswagen Fridolin that they only made for the uh, German and uh, Swiss, Swiss Postal Service. Mm. So that's an ex-postal van. Yeah, um, so they didn't make that. He made I think twelve hundred of them, twelve hundred and one of them for the planet, basically, um, and that's one of two that are in Australia, or three, I believe, actually. So um, they're quite a rare car. Yeah. That engine setup is crazy. Yeah, it's all they're just standard air cooled Volkswagen engines, so like out of a old school Beetle or whatnot. So um, again, just... flat getting up a hill, but yeah. Just being in the back like that and so clean and contained the way it is is wild looking. Being, yeah, being it's you know technology from the, the 60s or whatnot. Yeah, it's 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 pretty pretty cool. Huh, that is cool. There you go. Yeah. <clears throat> so, is there uh, anything cool, new, and exciting coming from Colony? Uh, yeah. I mean, like the. Definitely got. Uh, there's going to be a Paterico frame coming out. Ooh. There's going to be a Kio frame coming out. Ooh. There will be a very limited edition uh, Jaden Fuller Australian-made frame coming out. Whoa. Um, bringing out some. Uh, uh, bringing back a stem that we did a long time ago called the Variant Stem, which is a top load but not as high as the current Squareback. Um, yeah, that's uh, just oh, there'll be a uh, uh, Ricky Cantazati, uh, <laughs> or Candace Spaghetti, we call him. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, Ricky Four Piece Bars coming out as nice. well. Um, yeah, that's it for the, off the top of my head. Yeah. That sure. is another rider who is just. Oh, Ricky's amazing. Ricky's on another level. Yeah, like just definitely thinks outside of the box. That's for certain. And it feels like he can do anything he wants to. 
Oh, he can. He can do it all. I mean, I, know, I guess you, sp- you probably saw that video that he did, like, probably 12 months ago now with his little lizard in it and all that stuff. Like, it's just just the imagination and the, the thought processes from him is completely different to anyone else, which, again, just fits what we're all about, trying to just be – just ride for fun and do different stuff, do what you want to do, you know, not, not mm. the uh, pigeonholed or anything. Yeah, yeah, and it's cool. I, I imagine the uh, the frames that are coming out. You know, the Kio one's going to be Flatland, and then the Paterico one's going to be totally different than that. Yeah, definitely. Um, just different styles, and then you know, J Dog's frame will be, you know, um, limited edition Australian made. Uh, yeah, ready for bowls and big transitions. You know, so mm-hmm. um, yeah, I love to hear. Australian made because I'm, I'm aware of a couple different companies out there. I didn't know how many were actually made there, but I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it's very, very limited. I mean, we made some sprockets in Adelaide, uh, which is down in South Australia, probably, oh, probably 10 years ago now. Time flies, but um, yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot more expensive to get stuff made here, unfortunately. Um, but it's something that I have always wanted to do and have done from when, when we can do it. More so just for the sake of being able to say you've got some Australian-made stuff. It's not a monetary yeah. business proposition at all. It's just just cool to have some stuff that's Australian-made. So It's sentimental yeah. at that point. Yeah, exactly. Very much, yeah. Have you guys done an Australian-made frame before, or is that the first one? No, I actually did try it about 15 years ago now, probably. Um, but it never got off the ground. Um, and, uh, yeah, now we're, you know, we're pretty close to pretty close to having it done and pro- probably be out in the next, uh, you know, six months or so. so awesome. Yeah. Definitely, not, definitely not the first to do it, but um, doing it uh, in our own style and, yeah. Do you think yeah. that that frame... There will be a, 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 I can't talk, amount available outside of Australia? No, it'll be very, well, it'll be available off our website for anyone that did want to buy it to go overseas. So, yeah, we'd happily send one overseas, but I, it wouldn't be, it would be probably twice the price of an American-made frame, just the way that it is here in Australia. Yeah. The cost is a lot higher cost of doing business is a lot higher so it's probably not saying that many people would want to buy mm-hmm. overseas but um yeah it's just more so going to be very limited just a, a fun project to do and and have uh, Jaden a part of it so i'm sure that there's somebody over here who's gonna buy one and have oh it. yeah hopefully yeah definitely it'd yeah. be great to see for sure that'd be uh, that'd be awesome to see just for the sake of being like yep this was made in australia and I have it here. Well, it'll be made just uh, near Byron Bay, so yeah, that's pretty cool. That's about Byron Bay, I guess. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, dang it, there was something else I was going to ask you about. I can't think of it. Oh well. Was there? Are there any other like bigger name companies in Australia that I might not be aware of? Um. Not that I've really made it outside of Australia so much, I guess. Yeah, because I've heard of uh, Fungus. 
Okay, yeah. Don't know if they're around still anymore, to be I, honest. I have no idea. I just yeah, I heard of them before. Yeah, yeah. Now, I guess we were the first real one to do it is to you know break out to the international scene and and only one to really have done it since. So, um, yeah, I mean, and I definitely uh, appreciate the fact that yeah we're one of the we're the ones that have done that and mm. will continue to do so. So, yeah. So. Is there is there specific struggles to that to getting stuff to all the rest of the world or is it similar to like well you make it here and we send it to the whole entire world too? Well, being the majority of it, just like every other brand, is all made in Taiwan, then it's it's no real difference to to get it out to other parts of the world. We all have like every other brand, all of us will have you know. Dip, specific distributors in each different market or whatnot mm -hmm. uh, and uh yeah it's just a simple matter of fact of them placing an order it gets made in taiwan then it's uh shipped around the world and, and that's it so yeah it's uh, it's pretty much uh similar no different barriers yeah yeah so it's it's not like stuff's getting made then going to you then going to the rest no. of the world it's going directly no, they, to them that's right exactly it's going from straight from taiwan to you know the uk or to the usa or to europe or brazil or japan or wherever it is so um there's definitely no disadvantages from being in australia that's awesome um, as i said advantages although it hasn't really i mean i used to go to taiwan probably you know four to five times a year and we're half the travel distance of any other country really to Taiwan so that was quite an advantage although in recent years because of COVID that hasn't really happened mm -hmm. uh, but yeah that's that's gonna you know getting back into travel again soon with that that side of it so yeah uh, yeah it's good to have a, a close relationship with Taiwanese and, and the factories and whatnot and um, it definitely helps in the business sense yeah and this isn't totally related, but I was just wondering too, like, have you noticed any kind of a shift or any growth in BMX since the Olympics with being that Logan is from Australia and he won the Olympics? No, definitely. It's, um, as soon as that happened and then he won pretty much that following week, we had a spike in, 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 uh, bike sales. Definitely. Nice. Um, just from a lot of shops, that wouldn't even probably know how to spell the word BMX. All of a sudden, we're calling up, going, "Hey, yeah, we want to get some BMX bikes in stock." And you know, they did not care about BMX one bit before. But as soon as that happened, then bang, they're stocking BMX bikes, which again is going to help grow BMX in general. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, in, in the greater sense, you know, a lot of people might not. Um, uh, what's the word? Sort of might not appeal to them that kind of style of riding or Olympic sort of movement or whatnot, but everyone's going to benefit from that in regards to having more parks to ride, uh, more opportunities out there and stuff like that. So yeah, um, it's, it's definitely a good thing. Yeah, I'll, for sure. I'm right there with you on that one. And I've always used the examples of people like Edwin who saw BMX X games and then went on to be Edwin. Yeah, definitely. There's always going to be people like that. Oh, of course, definitely. Um, 
And if, if that's not your cup of tea or whatnot, you know, Olympic-style riding or whatnot, doesn't mean you don't have to... You're not forced to do it. You can do your own style of riding or whatnot, but it's you're still going to... You know, everyone's going to benefit from it being exposed to that greater audience and, and so forth and, and governments around the world being interested in, in throwing resources at things like BMX. So mm. it's a good thing, especially if it's managed right, which, you know, yeah. Yeah. So it seemed like, at least from what I saw, that the Australian side of things was definitely helping out because they built that the replica course or whatever yeah yeah so they built that course um um jason watts actually built that oh that's thing. awesome yeah so he, he he built that jason watts is uh is definitely um an amazing ramp builder here he's building lots of ramps all around the country which is which is awesome to see he's turned it into a bit of a you know business for him mm-hmm. um which you know it's great to see and uh yeah he, he got he got paid to build that park and it, i guess it definitely helped logan to not that he probably needed it anyway but <laughs> definitely made it even easier for him to uh to do what he's doing for sure yeah do you <clears throat> does it feel like the government and whatever the local government it is is like supportive of skate parks and stuff i mean obviously there's 200 within an hour yeah there's definitely uh, where we are there's probably like four or five different local governments some of those are definitely more uh open to parks where others are less so open and the ones that are a little bit less are a bit more conservative in what they build whereas a lot of them might be a lot lower like not as tall sort of ramps or whatnot so they're not as great obviously but um for the general part yeah uh, definitely um some of the councils, yeah, are very much open to, to building great stuff and, and ha- definitely have been doing so and will continue to build more. Like, we're getting new parks here all the time. A lot of them, I can't keep up with them now. There's so many new ones getting built all the time that I haven't even gone and ridden some of them yet. So, um, that's, yes, that's really spoiled, cool. spoiled for choice. <laughs> no doubt. And then the fact that you have a ramp literally at your house that is exactly what you want it to be, that makes it hard to leave too. Yeah, I, I to be honest, I pretty much don't ride anywhere else but there, to be honest. So oh, why would you? It's just, yeah, it's just good, like just amongst the trees and kangaroos and having your, just the friends you want to ride with over and, and, and the fact that it's 100 meters from the house. So, yeah, it's good. It's free to ride that. You don't have yeah, to drive. True. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Eat your own food. You don't have to worry about what you're going to figure out for or get home for dinner or anything uh, like it. that. Have a swim before, have a ride, <laughs> have a couple of beers afterwards in the shed. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you mentioned kangaroos. Are they just yeah. everywhere? Not overly, but I mean... Uh, where we are, there's yeah, there are a few, and I've actually been feeding them over the last probably five years now, putting little uh, pallets what they give at a Australia Zoo, which is Steve Irwin's yeah. zoo. The same sort of pallets, I've been putting those out, and so now little gangs of kangaroos have been coming and going. Little babies would be popping out the head out of the uh, <laughs> their pouches and whatnot, seeing me doing it, and then they become 
little teenagers and they see me and they're not scared of me now so they they come up quite close and I hopefully in another couple of generations I'll be able to hand feed them and pat them which would be pretty cool but yeah we've probably any one day depending on the day you could have a dozen kangaroos hanging out morning and and uh, evening waiting to get fed now so it's starting to cost me a little bit in kangaroo pellets but <laughs> it's worth it it's a good uh good therapy when you come home from a day at the office and there's you know 12 kangaroos hanging out waiting to get fed it's yeah cool. it feels like kangaroos there are like deer where i'm at yeah probably yeah exactly so it's like but I, st- I still get a kick out of seeing them. I, you know, love seeing it every every morning and evening. So. Oh but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention they they deliver our mail every day too. So. Oh. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it, it's it'll never stop being like driving. Dear, I'm sure you're driving kangaroo. Kangaroo. Yep. Yeah, that's it. Well, you got to slow down, otherwise they jump out in front of you here. So. Same with deer here. Yeah, they'll ride your car off real quick. Yep, yeah. we have that here. I I hit a deer one time. Oh, no. Yeah. Not good. It's common here. I mean, it, it happens every day. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Whew. Well, Clint, we did an hour and 45 minutes here. And Holy, yeah, we did do it, didn't we? Yeah, we yeah, did. And... I've covered everything I wanted to talk about. Is there anything that you thought that we might talk about that we haven't? Not overly, no, nah, man. I, I'd just like to say thanks for thinking of me and reaching out, asking whether we'd want to do it. Uh, yeah, honored, for sure. Absolutely, man. I've, I've loved your writing for so huh. long, and I just love every time you have a video come out. I'm like, this dude is still like at the highest level of tech ramp front brake riding and i love it uh that that's all smoke and mirrors it's not really like that but yeah thank you <laughs> whatever i see the video <laughs> <laughs> no nah, it's fun i every year i do i do my birthday edit and yep. so one's coming up in july this year and I, I won't lie they get definitely harder each year to do but um i guess for myself i i want to keep the same level or progress or something but mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're fun to do and i'd film them all in one day get up early that morning i'm out by riding at 8 30 and i finish at dark which is at winter then it's about five five o'clock yep. so yeah it's a full solid day of riding but yeah they're good fun and i didn't realize yeah. those were all in one day that's all in one day yeah I film holy it. crap all that makes me better that's <laughs> all it's all on my birthday that's that's the thing i did it for my 39th birthday um, and this year, I guess it'll be my 49th. So, wow, yeah, 10 years of doing them. So, maybe once I hit my 50th, I might slow, I might, might stop them for a bit. Who knows? But, um, yeah, they're all filmed in one day, man. So, wow, yeah. you said July, what day? 13th. I'm the 10th. There you go. There you go. <laughs> now, must... Same as, um, well, you talked about Han Solo before. Yeah. Harrison Ford's on July 13th as well. So, oh, that's cool. There you go. <laughs> there must be something about July in uh, tech lip trick riding. Yeah, it's uh, it's, a, it's a good month. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, where can people find you and Colony online? Uh, yeah, well, colonybmx.com.au is the website, or at colonybmxbrand for Colony's Instagram, or my own is colonyvw. So, yeah, uh, yeah. That's us. And then 
local bike shops can carry and who do you guys distribute through in the u.s uh a main distribution um and then uh yeah dan's comp or any other uh independent bike shop over there will have our stuff um throughout europe everywhere um img in the uk distribute our stuff to all the distributors at all the shops in, in the uk and we take care of it here in australia Cool. You got Dream BMX in Brazil and, and so forth. So, yeah, World, worldwide. I was literally saying worldwide when you said that. That's funny. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, I appreciate your time. I'm going to get off here and take a quick little nap before my news in a couple hours. No worries. Cool. Yeah. Uh, thank you. Thanks for reaching out and been a pleasure. Yeah, man. So uh, have a good day, everyone, and we will see you at 10 for the news.